Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world, we're going to presume it's in the UK and we're going to presume that it's uh, you participating in and enjoying a rainy August. Before we get going, we actually have quite a lot of uh, audience in Africa. I'm looking at the stats, yeah. Is that true? Yeah, so you can't presume that we have an audience in the UK. Interesting. Okay, well, okay. Um, let's presume that it's very hot in Africa, very rainy in August in Britain. It is. And wherever you've got your eyes set and wherever you might be going this August... With this podcast in your ears, we've got the perfect travel companion for you on episode 12. Tamara Lorne is the co-founder of Mr. and Mrs. Smith Hotels. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith, for those that are in the know, curate the best hotels and hotel experiences in the world. And they have offices now, I think, in London, LA, Australia, all over the place, right? Yeah, a few in Asia. Uh, you didn't listen I, to the interview. No, you don't know. Just, I have listened. I've edited it, but okay. I'm actually just quickly googling whether they do that. But uh, what's the other interesting fact about Tamara is the fact that she started the business with her husband. Very mm. true. It's absolutely a Mr. and Mrs. Smith, although technically it'd be a Mr. and Mrs. Lawn. I think is that correct? Yes, that's not even his surname. No, it's is not. It? No, it's Lawn. Yes. Okay. Well, you can see we did our research. Do, do, no, do, do you know why they were called it Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Uh, no, tell us. So you weren't even listening to the interview. No. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was uh, the name they came up because when couples went away, kind of snuck oh, away, yes. they booked under the name Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So it was kind of like a dirty weekend kind of thing. It's very you true. You obviously haven't ever been on a dirty weekend. Anyway, without further ado, uh, we're going to let you listen to the very lovely and very impressive Tamara Lawn. And in this week's episode, what you're going to learn about is... Um, how not to do um, a job straight out of uni and get sent off to Brazil for all sorts of craziness and um, how to definitely start a business with your husband and make it purely successful year on year. Um, A fun fact about Tamara, she is the um, CTO of the company and um, going against gender stereotypes, if the sky doesn't work in the house, her husband calls her and gets her to fix it. But she's obviously... Capable of a lot more than that, so sit back, listen, and enjoy. From Runway East Studios in London, welcome to the Secret Lives of Leaders. So, another day, another guest with an MBE. Though what's nice this time round is that our guest ticks a lot of other boxes too. Tamara Lorne, the co-founder of Mr. and Mrs. Smith Hotels, is in fact the CTO of the company. And while she has claimed to me quite a few times that her husband is in fact the driving force and personality behind the brand, it's hard to imagine that's not just her being modest. She started Mr. and Mrs. Smith with her husband James 14 years ago and has been at the heart of one of the best loved internet brands in Britain. But in fact, it started out as a publishing business a guide for people who, like her, wanted to explore the luxury boutiques across the country and discovering the real gems and stylish weekends away in unique hotels. They sold 10,000 copies in their first six weeks, but fast forward to today, they have over 100 staff spread across London, LA, Singapore, New York and others, and have had contributions from celebrities ranging from Stella McCartney to Kate Blanchett. So it's a pleasure to be with you here today. 
And actually, I confess, although very different, we've taken a lot of inspiration from Mr. and Mrs. Smith at Gravel, which I think I've told you in the past, Mm -hmm. which of course is actually how I first met you when I cornered to ask you all about curation at an event, as you might remember or might have nightmares over, I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, Hopefully this is a much less forced conversation and I don't have anything prepared in that sense. So uh, to crack on with it, welcome to our very esteemed guest. So hi, Tamara. Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Can I call you Tam? Do I call you Tamara or Mara? What is it? Um, a Tam is great. That's Tam. what I usually get called. And let our listeners know how you just corrected me on our surname so they never do the same again. Uh, Lorne is um, Lohan, but it's the Irish version, I guess. So Lauren. Good. Lauren. Um, so Rich isn't the biggest fan of these icebreakers that I put together, um, but as he's not here today, I get to do whatever I like. So I put them in anyway. You're exactly. Um, and then when he edits them, obviously I'm very aware that he can just edit them straight out. So let's hope that they're good. Um, okay. Most important question: cats or dogs? Mm, dogs. Oh, wrong. Never mind. Um, so you've got a burning building and you can only take three items out with you. And yes, your kids and your husband and your pets are all fine. So maybe start with your home insurance certificate. But what else are you going to take out with you? Well, I shouldn't need a home insurance certificate because that will be all online. Correct. Good. Um, so you've still got three spaces there. Yeah, I have. Um... Snacks for the kids, because I know they're going to be on the street whining. Yeah. Well, it's clear you don't have any time. Picassos at home, then, if <laughs> snacks was the first thing you went to. Um, I'm thinking of art. There is one painting I would take, um, we, which hangs in our sitting room, and it is of a lady. Uh, we bought it, it, the artist is called Desiree, and we bought it on our honeymoon. And it kind of dominates the whole of the sitting room. It's, she's very serene. And when I had my babies... Um, as as babies, I used to just kind of walk them around the room, and every time we passed the painting, they would calm down oh, really? and kind of stare into this face. It's got like a mystical quality to it. It does. So that would definitely be number two. Um, number three. So the phone is is covered or not? Did you say the oh, phone's in your pocket? In my pocket. Okay. Um, I, do you know what? I'm not that materialistic. Yeah. I would have to say. What about an original not book? Bothered. An original. You must have one of your original books. No, your own original Mr. and Mrs. Smith hotel book. You must have uh, that at home. Yeah, we have lots of them in the office. We have one on the wall. Um, it was 007 off the program. Oh, yeah, okay. instead of so, number one. So you we might got, take that. <laughs> we got number seven. Yeah, I guess. Sure, why not? You've run out <laughs> of things. I feel like, you know, if we keep on pushing, you're going to be like, I don't know, a pan, my favourite pan. Do, um, no, do you know what? I'm not, I, I, my husband and I are not materialistic people. I mean, we like nice things, but at the end of the day, I could up sticks and go yep. live anywhere. Okay. And I guess Digital that's the traveller in me. Yeah. Makes sense. So speaking of the traveller in you, London or New York? New York. Oh, really? Very quick to say so as well, but you live in London, so what's Only the because deal? I'm in London. If I was in New York, it would be London. Oh, I see. Okay, so another insight into you want what you can't have or don't have. Um, I think, I guess I'm always... So if I look at the year when we come into January mm. and I go, where am I going? And if I don't have, at any time during the year, if I don't have several things booked and planned to go away, I get utterly desolate and depressed oh interesting okay you're definitely in the perfect business yes for me yes (laughs) Uh, okay so the best experience money can buy in the best hotel chain in the world or a curated stylish weekend in a more boutique hotel (laughs) number two is it actually though yes if i really push you like the best 
ever most premium experience in the biggest chain? I just don't like chains. Okay, I cool. I'm oh, just checking. They just leave checking. me cold. Okay. Do you ever stay in them? Are you ever... Do, like, for example, when you go travelling, do people... To. Yeah, do people force you to? Um... So I do some speaking engagements and uh, occasionally when I do like a big marketing conference in Berlin or something like that, yeah, um, I will try to stay in one of our hotels, but um, yeah, generally forced to on okay. those occasions. Um, all right. So raise millions and own less of your own company, but grow super fast or grow more organically on less money, but have more control and ownership. Oh, now there's a really good question. What did you do? So I think uh, we have raised money yep. through Smith and we have grown and we have seen, you know, periods of extreme growth over a 14 year period. Sure. We're not a startup anymore. Yep. Um, so we have seen periods of extreme growth and then slowing offs. And um, so it all depends on, you know, what your idea of a lot of money is. Um, for us, we've had about five million invested, and I would say that's not a lot of money. No, but for I would some agree people, that would be sure. know, that would be more. We're well, certainly not a lot of money for the size of your brand, that's no. for sure. Um, so I guess we've done it. You could say that we've done, it, done, it, we've done it organically. We've done it To me, I would argue that that's organically. Um, okay, so sell out or profitably maintain your lifestyle. Mm. Um, well, we are right now profitably maintaining our lifestyle. Sure. Um, Which then gives you the beautiful opportunity to answer exactly the same question. So what you know or what you don't know? Um, I, I think for both my husband and I, at, at some point we will want to do something else. So And because we have shareholders, there will be an exit at True. some stage. Yeah. So because they won't want to be in it forever and, and a day. And so I, I guess we've accepted that, that you know, at, at some point there will be an exit. Mm. And so I'm looking forward to that when it happens but I do feel it's really important that you're not just seeking that exit and that you're enjoying it along the way and you know having been in the business for 14 years now I can say that I have done that all about enjoying the journey not the destination exactly and I continue to do that and you know Smith is such a lovely brand and so many incredible brands out there want to work with us and that always makes it very interesting Mm. Okay. We still have so much to do. You do, indeed. <laughs> uh, but we'll come on to that. Um, okay, so Harry Potter or The Art of War by Sun Tzu. <laughs> um, I would read both. Okay, um, fair. In fact, when we first launched our guidebooks, uh, we outsold Harry Potter for one day in one store in the, in the Waterstones of Piccadilly. Yeah. And wow. then when they rang us up to tell us that, it was like a moment, it was a proper moment. And um, yeah, so when I had kids, I was kind of benchmarked Harry Potter and I was waiting for the day until they would read Harry Potter. But have you ever outsold a Sun Tzu? No. Well, there you go. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's clear to say that there is a, a hierarchy. It's Sun Tzu, then Mr. and Mrs. Smith and then Harry Potter. Okay. Fair? Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, okay, the last film you watched that you loved? Um... I quite like action films. I watched the on the last plane I was on. I watched the last Born. Was it good? It was good. Yeah, yeah he, I think he does a great job. He does Damon. do a good job. He does do a good job. Uh, favorite artist, music artist. Mm. Um, I like lots of eclectic music. So my husband was a DJ. Okay. So we listen to a very wide variety of of music. Uh, we go to Glastonbury 
most years. I do love Glastonbury. I do love Glastonbury. Yeah. And we're booked in to see the Kings of Leon at Hyde Park this year, so I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Amazing. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say I have a favourite artist. I you know, I I flip between everything. I run to some happy house. So I'll I'll listen to anything really. Do you I mean you know it's not grime or Yeah, fair. <laughs> um so I mean do you actually set up a like little boutique camping thing for Mr and Mrs. Smith at Glastonbury? Have you ever thought about doing that? We have thought about doing a festival. I don't I'm not sure it would be Glastonbury. Yeah, just too um, intense. I think it is too intense and a bit hardcore and mm. a bit muddy. Um, but um, I can see ourselves doing uh, in the future some kind of pop up hotel within sure. the festival. I think that would be really fun. I'm assuming you do glamping when you go, though, because that would be living the brand. Yes. Okay, just checking. Yes. Um, okay, entrepreneur that you look up to and admire. Um, Emma Sinclair is in my network, and I can I hope I can call her a friend yeah. now. She's just been so kind to me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I really respect what she does and how she tries to bring other women up behind. And she's also amazingly direct. Um, um, also, I think um, there's Debbie Wasco I went okay. to university with, um, and she's just started a fund called Albright for Women. So that's those, that's those really guys. Great. Okay, what about your all-time hero? Obviously, it doesn't have to have anything to do with entrepreneurship. All-time hero, my mother. Ah, sweet. Okay, well, mm-hmm. moving on. But she is a classic entrepreneur as is well. Is she? Yeah. What did she, she do then? She started a dating agency around about 40 years ago. Okay. So it was before dating agencies were around. I think she was the second dating agency in the country. Okay, that is a true entrepreneur. And she was. She started a company called, it was then called Country Partners, and she was putting, uh, she was finding farmers' wives, essentially. Because in the farming community, it's very, very difficult to meet people. A problem that we've all gone through and everyone can relate to naturally. Um, Okay, so we'd like to start off the actual interview with the story behind the brand. Yes. So um, can you tell me how the brand came about? So my husband and I were looking for weekends away, um, trying to get out of London and just not finding anywhere except for the stock answer, which is, of course, Babington House. And we thought, well, there must be other places out there. They just don't have a voice. And there was one particularly, well, one very funny weekend where we'd booked uh, this amazing property. We'd got the brochure through the post because that's what you did then. You didn't look it up on the internet. You got the brochure of the hotel mm. through the post, checked it out and thought, this is great. And it had a picture of somebody having a massage. We thought, that's what we want. It had a swimming pool just outside of London. So we got in the car, drove up, and the driveway was lovely. And we came into reception, and the receptionist kind of took us off into a little room to the side. And in front of each other, and this is why it's really important to remember that we were dating and not married at that stage. Um, In front of each other, she weighed us and took our blood pressure. What? And we were like, oh my God, that's embarrassing. Not, you know, the romantic start no. to a weekend that we wanted. Anyway, so we went up to the room and it was slightly disappointing. And um, my uh, James turned around Is anything me. disappointing after you've been weighed at check-in? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like they do that so you're like, you're going to like everything from here on. I think it was just that era where country house hotels hadn't moved on in the way that Babington House had. Okay. So the rooms, you know, you'd have swirly patterns on the carpet and swirly patterns on the on the walls and on the ceiling and the hair dryers were stuck to the wall and there was a Corby trouser press in. It was that era of fusty country house hotels. And so we just thought, okay, well, just throw money at the problem. Let's go down and have a, let's glam up, 
have a really nice bottle of wine tonight, have a really nice meal. It looked like it had a really nice dining room, the hotel. So I did, I put my dress on and my heels on and we walked, sauntered down to the dining room and everybody else in the dining room was in their bathrobes. And we sat down and of course it was a calorie controlled menu with no alcohol. And so we just sat up and went, this is just not what we're looking for. And we snuck out like naughty school children uh, past reception down to the pub for a pie and a pint. Good. And, um, And, you know, it was a couple of weekends after that that we went to the Lake District and again just had a very disappointing weekend. And we sat in the local Pizza Express because, of course, we hadn't booked the hotel in time. Um, and sat there and on my Palm Pilot, that will date it, that's how long ago it was, uh, we wrote out exactly what we would want to know from the guidebook. And that was, you know, not where the nearest rock formation was, um, but things like the thread count of the sheets and, you know, can you get two in the bath? Will the shower get me wet? Can the barman mix me a perfect martini? Uh, All the kind of important things that make up your experience of the weekend. Um, and were kind of speaking to us as a kind of young 30-something couple. And so that's how Mr and Mrs Smith was born. If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner Vanta comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI, but until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, if you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. And the name? Mr. and Mrs. Smith is that kind of post-war, when people were starting to have money again, starting to go away for weekends again, Mm. it was the name that you would sign in the guest book if you were with somebody outside of wedlock, even if you were planning on marrying them because it was so frowned upon in those days. 
Too. And have you ever checked in as Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Uh, we haven't actually. No. Oh, come on, there's a sense of fun. That's like it's an obvious thing you've got yeah. to do at least once. Well, the way it works with Mr. and Mrs. Smith is that we go and find the hotels, we curate them. Yeah. So, in, in fact, we don't want to go incognito, we want to go in. And we want to get to know the owner, the general manager. We want to see every single room that we possibly can, get under the skin of the hotel and understand it to see if it's the kind of hotel that we want to recommend. Okay. It's then that we send the anonymous reviewers to back up right. the integrity so of So presumably you, you have to pay for the anonymous viewers to stay in those hotels because otherwise they would know and it's all obvious. But presumably you also get a lot of freebies as a corporate culture with the of hotels. Course, of course. Yeah, and, you know, and of course, when we go to a hotel, you know, we don't get the same experience, which is why we exactly. need to send the anonymous yeah, reviewer. That makes a lot of sense. But is it without, you know, an anonymous reviewer can just ex- enjoy the experience and the service. What we do is really try and understand the hotel and understand sure. whether it's the kind of thing that we want to recommend. And just for anyone that hasn't quite put two and two together, in your own words, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is... So I would like to think of it as a travel club for boutique hotel lovers. Okay. And why do you position it that way? What, what is so important about calling it a travel club? Because I think that we're united not just by the type of hotels that um, we look after, and now villas, but it's a tribe of people. It's a tribe of people who like this type of hotel. And it doesn't have to be a particular style. It just has to be, it's almost like um, a cult around not wanting cookie cutter. And have you done um, much merchandise or anything like that? I can imagine like having a very passionate fan base that would be very proud to mm. represent. No? Yes, we've done, as in kind of products. Yeah. Yeah, so we've done, we did a mattress with Swoon. Did you? Like the best Smith mattress. That's funny. Um, <laughs> um, we've done, we've talked about doing linen for a very long time, mm. like, you know, bedroom linen. So it's a bit like the Soho House vibe, right? We've, but that's obviously all owned by Soho House, and yes. this would be a bit more of a, yes. you know, a bit more of an interesting opportunity for retail, for sure. I, I agree. Um, it's something we haven't done properly. Sure. And... We've dabbled in and it's, dabbled it's somewhere as a potential. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, it would almost be a completely other business. Absolutely. And that's Nick Jones is amazing. I mean, it's incredible what mm. he manages to, to do. Yeah. But we have quite a challenging business in the travel industry. And um, without a, a large amount of investment, we have to focus our energies yeah. on, on that business. And so, you know, I would I would love to have a, a product business as well. Have you ever been tempted to raise money on a product-based business? I know it would be completely separate, but then at the same time, like you say, it would need a capital raise, and that's a good mm. thing because it would be separated mm. almost. Has that ever crossed your mind? Yes, it has, it has. Because yeah. obviously the Nick Jones thing is a bit of an unfair comparison for you because he they own those buildings they own the or house. the leases or whatever. So different. it is a different thing, right? And he raises his money based on that and you're a technology company yes. with great um you know curation it's yeah. a very different business model very different yeah a lot less risky at least um <laughs> in theory um okay so why did you actually start the business what were you solving like uh, you mentioned the whole thing about you know going away with your husband but at the same time um you know does uh, that big curation element behind boutique hotels and stuff isn't some of the 
almost enjoyment for the the person to go away and try isn't that sort of surprise and i know obviously you can be disappointed sometimes but isn't there an element of that that's kind of part of the fun yes but um i don't think at mr and mrs smith that we give away the fun so you know even the first book we were the very first guidebook not to have just a picture of a swimming pool or you know a beach on the front it was it was I, i remember it very well and i remember shooting it at blake's and it was a door that was just very half ajar so you could just see in the background the kind of four poster bed and the very lush dark colors of blake's and on the back there was the back of the door with a peephole so mr and mrs smith has always been about evoking the kind of weekend that you might have curiosity yes and curiosity into it and giving you not too much detail i mean i do i think some of these guidebooks just give you so much that you need a holiday to read the guidebook yeah you know you don't and people just don't have time these days and so we didn't we we literally we said to people um, all the important things that they needed to know, what the dress code was, so you know what to pack. There's nothing worse than going somewhere and feeling that you haven't packed yeah. you know, the right clothes or that the, the dining room is, is way too glamorous for the, the, the things that you've packed and you've only packed jeans. Um, so all the, all the important information, we have a little section that says worth getting out of bed for, and it's a small paragraph of like things that you would you definitely need to do in mm. the area if you're going. And so, no, I, th- I think you know, there was... We didn't give anything away. We didn't give too much away, or and we still don't. Yeah. Um, but you know, people like to research, and and you know, when you've got very little free time, getting your time right on holiday, getting that hotel address right is really important. True. You don't want wasted minutes. Exactly. Um, and has the actual um, has the original vision changed at all, or the business model, or you know, have you had to adapt that a lot over fourteen years? Because a long, so a the, long the business time model a... changed entirely. Right, so we, okay. we pivoted year two. Um, but that was from publishing to online. From perhaps. publishing to online. And since being online, has it had to pivot again? Um, no, we haven't. We've um, expanded our product portfolio. So we went into Mr. and Mrs. Smith was always very much about couples and still is. Um, but we expanded into the family travel arena. Mm. And then last year we bought a villa company. Okay. Uh, so we've added villas to the product portfolio, which is great. And that gives is it us global, another. Just Europe? Uh, uh, at the moment, we have villas in Italy, in the UK, uh, Ibiza and Mallorca. Okay. But we'll be expanding that to Bali oh. and the Caribbean. Lovely. What's it called? Soon. It's just Mr. 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 Villas. villas. Okay. <laughs> just checking. Um, wait for SEO, obviously. <laughs> um, okay, so um, you've been running Mr. and Mrs. Smith now for 14 years. Yes. And arguably, don't really look any older than me, which is surely a sign of That's me nice. looking like a beautiful you say young all lady. The right of things, course. Um, what were you actually doing before that? Then it's fourteen years. I mean, you just wouldn't know that. I mean, like genuinely, you don't really look like you're entirely oh, older than you. thirty. So, what were <laughs> you doing? So be- what were you doing before you were sixteen and started this business? Um, so I. <laughs> So my first job out of university, I uh, launched an energy drink in Brazil. And it... I'm really glad you're going to mention that because I was going to push you on the Brazil story in case you weren't going to bring it up because it's an excellent one. It, 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 it's a good story. I mean, I'll just say it briefly sure. and not go into it in too much detail. Sure. But it was, it was the opportunity of a, of a lifetime um, to go out with just one other person who was my boss 
and to launch a product into a country where we, within nine months, we had distribution deals with Schweppes. We changed the product slightly to adjust to the sweetness of the tooth of the Brazilian market. We'd got all our marketing in order. I had an amazing time going out to find out where our distribution should be, especially in all the nightclubs. Um, and um, unfortunately, after nine months, uh, the company ran out of money. And so I had to come home and, um, and start again. And what did you start again with? So I thought, well, I should obviously get a proper job. <laughs> having kind of failed I thought I'd failed at this one it wasn't my fault but I'd kind of come back going oh well you know that didn't go so well maybe I need to you know learn how old were you at this point I uh, must have been 22 and was that really hard on you or did you kind of bounce back from it quickly no I just realized I needed to do something you know serious and perhaps not indulge my love of travel so much I mean my I just Travel has always been a part of my life, even from when I was very, very young. My parents divorced when I was uh, 10, 11. And so I had to get on a plane to go, come and see my father in England. Yeah, he I, moved I, read, to England. I read somewhere that that was the best part of the divorce for you. I just, you know, being on that airplane with that lanyard round my neck, you know, being taken by very glamorous air hostesses and going into the cockpit and seeing it, I just, I love. Mm. I loved it and I vowed I'd always you know travel from then on um, and, but I did realise that I you know I needed to get a trade or I ne- and I needed to learn so when I came back from Brazil um, I went into Honda um, yeah. into the marketing side but kind of in the technology side as well so I was ordering the cars from the three factories and um, using various spreadsheets and running macros between the spreadsheets so it was all a little bit complex um, and then I moved agency side and we were doing things for Unilever and Ford, building databases. Um, I was very involved with one of the guys there on the CRM side. Um, did you have a maths background? Uh, no, I was good with maths, but I did uh, languages at yeah. university. Okay. Yeah. I mean, where did all this... Where, where, I mean, jumping ahead, obviously, but where do you? Where does your background uh, take you to become the CTO of your company? That's so, an unusual jump for starters very few female CTOs, um, obviously not enough women in technology in general and studying STEM and that's mm. a problem that other people are trying to solve currently, which is great. And I imagine you're probably a big supporter of, but far less so even a CTO level. So how does that happen without a technology background? What's the story behind it for you? So, I mean, it started there with, yeah. the, with the spreadsheets. It really did. And then from then on, I was always in the data and data management side of marketing. I was never above the line marketing. Um, it was always about data, building databases. And so you know, from the very start, when we, when we did the first guidebook, we had a card in the front of the book. Because I, I realized that, you know, if we wanted to talk to and be able to sell our second book to a customer... You know, I, I had to capture them myself. I couldn't rely because Waterstones weren't going to give me the customer base. Yeah. So uh, we had a card in the front of the book and you went onto a just a single page site and people would enter their details. Yeah. So I understood about data capture from the very beginning. And it kind of grew from there. When we decided to uh, go into the online booking technology, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. And so we outsourced that bit. And I spent two years getting underneath the skin of that booking technology and 
realizing what a pile of rubbish it was. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, and and realizing that we could do better. Yeah. And so and that we needed something bespoke for us because our hotels were different. You know, we needed to cater or to create technology for hotels that well, we had one hotel that was three rooms and still wrote all reservations down in a book. Right. We still have hotels that write reservations down in a book. Sure. All the that's way to dream. Yeah, yeah I love that. <laughs> all the way to very sophisticated, you know, London, New York hotels yeah. who revenue probably yield manage and revenue manage and you know manage their rates mm. on an hourly, minute by minute basis, um, and you know to very large complexity. So travel is a very complex technology and data business because you have so many iterations. Yeah. If it if you think about putting a couple or a family into a hotel bedroom at a certain point in time, you know, if they book for two nights versus five nights, the nightly rate can change. The age of their child will also affect the price because if they're in a cot or in an extra bed, mm-hmm. if they need the size of the room, you know, if they're over, if they're they staying o- over a weekend, if they're staying just you know midweek, all of these different. Um, things can affect the price of the room and the configuration. So it is highly complex. And so I spent two years looking at what the technology was doing and saying, you know, we can do this better. And so um, I gave them notice and sat down with the developer and we architected and built our system. And you never looked back. Been wanted wanted to be the CTO ever since. You've never been tempted to be like COO or are are you organized? Um, oh, we don't have a COO. Okay, so you kind of, um, is so, it like you guys just do all sorts? Yeah, so my husband was CEO and now he's chairman. Right. And then we have um, our third partner who is always on the finance side. Yeah. Um, he's now CEO. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm quite happy. I just, I love the technical side. Yeah. I, I really, I'm a problem solver. Yeah. So I look at something, I go, how can we solve this with technology? Okay. And that makes sense. I love the back end booking system. I'm okay with the front end, but you know, I have there's a I have a product person, that, and yeah. you know, my husband sure. is is perfect to kind of you know, I I don't care whether it's red or green or blue. Right, understood. I I care. Whether He's the brand guy, therefore, also involved in UX and product. Yeah, he chooses um, the wallpaper at home. So okay, so and I make the TV work. That is what you always expect to hear from uh, gender biased couples. There, um, okay. So more boring questions, but we will get them out of the way. What do you feel about, we touched on it earlier, the whole, um, there's two questions really for, for you that are, I guess, like probably most commonly asked. One is about the female technologist and the other is female entrepreneur. Do you feel like those are actively things that you like to participate in mm. and drive change in? Or do you feel like um, they shouldn't be drawn attention to because best person for the job is gender irrelevant? So how, where do you sort of stand on the whole debate? I think we need to encourage more women into technology and into entrepreneurship um, because, you know, having a balance is always good. Mm. And, you know, I think what I'm, what really I struggle with is why women aren't going more into technology Um, because it should, I think it should have been the industry that women just, you know, take over because we are problem solvers. It, it should be our 
sweet spot mm. and yet women aren't you know choosing that or and in some places still not being encouraged to do so and so I think that anything that we can do to encourage you know and, and help women understand what it is um, is, a, is a good thing because I don't think it's anything to do with a um, uh, you know an ability level for example no. Uh, no but I don't mean ability like capability what I mean is you know it's highly mathematical but there's so many women working in really technical jobs in finance mm. And I, I mean, I'm, I know there's also, you know, more men working in finance than women. There are plenty of women. The gender balance isn't so bad there. But technology should be just as attractive an opportunity. And you need just as highly analytical, capable, uh, I wouldn't say mathematicians necessarily, but it's a very similar mindset, right? Yeah. Um, but, so I never really are, understood the difference. There are lots of jobs around you. They don't, women don't have to code. You can still be in technology yeah. and be be that problem solver, project um, manager or product manager. Ama- yeah. yeah, amazing. And a leader. Um, so okay, so you're basically so yes. you're... and women entrepreneurs. Do I like to get involved? So that's my sweet spot. I, oh, yeah? I like helping okay. women um, who are who are starting out. If I can. And that's as an angel investor generally or mentoring as well. What, what do you actually do actively so in I the don't, industry? I, I, no, I'm not a big investor and I'm not a, a, a an angel as it were. Sure. But I, I have dabbled in a couple of things. And, and when I've done it, I've done it because I've met somebody who I think is great. And you just want to be there And to I just them. want to be able to help them. Sure. Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting to the stage now where... Uh, there's still a lot of challenges with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but I do have a bit more spare time, so I do take on a few other bits and pieces. So I'm uh, I'm just about to join the board at the Travel Tech Lab at the Trampery because yeah. I can definitely help in the travel tech space yeah. um, for the startups coming through, which is great. And there are a couple of young women who I've put some money into um, and. I'm helping um, so, just purely because I can open up my contacts yeah. and, and I can see how I can help them. Did you have help on the way like that? No. And is the lack of it something that you're like, you know what, it just would have been so much easier. I want to change that part yeah. of the journey for that person. Yes, it would have, it would have been a lot easier mm. had we had that kind of help. But when we started out, you know, there weren't these incubators, there weren't these places, these networks where you could go and meet you know, people like me. Um, and I'm not sure we knew what we were getting into either. Uh, but had we had advice earlier on, it could have prevented us from falling into some of the pitfalls we did fall into along the way. Which is fair. I think a flip side of it is um, it's so popular, entrepreneurship at the moment, that it's also 100 times more competitive in a way. Mm. Um, and there's not necessarily more money going around. I mean, there's always the same technical, technically the same pool of yes. money. Um, and the SEIS and EIS investment schemes have been around for a long time now. Yes, they have. There's more and more opportunities to distribute. So it is a lot tougher. There's a lot more separating wheat from the chaff. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, speaking, for example, for yourself and with Sarah, you know, the time when you started up, um, definitely outliers, definitely unique to start a business at that time really it just wasn't the infrastructure we were even talking on the level of you know things that my company would take for granted which is aws cloud servers no, right no. don't need to spend graham hobson um from photobox hilarious story about how like almost their entire original investment was spent on physical servers they had to just get in and yeah a huge amount of money so i think there's I a lot of that we had to we had to they had to move our server 
and so shut us down. And so, you know, literally they were yeah. you know, moving a bot. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay, uh, final question actually around, uh, which just I thought of um, whilst you were talking is, you've got a massive passion for travel and you love everything to do with travel, mm. but arguably travel is one of the hardest industries to make money in according to just about every single person that's ever worked in travel. That is true. Um, and I want to know your perspective on that. Is the pursuit of how to be profitable and successful in travel worth all of the stress? Or do you sometimes wish you could apply your um, passion, interest and ability into another industry? Mm, good question. Um, the problem with travel, especially if you're an intermediary, is uh, the margins. Yep. So you are scrabbling around for you know, really rubbish margins. And so if I had my time again um, with the knowledge, I would definitely look for, you know, if it was or wasn't in travel, an opportunity where I, I would have big margins to play with. If you have the big margins, then your flexibility and your ability to do stuff is just so much greater. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, if you've, if you've got very small margins, then you have to scale. Uh, so... But I wouldn't let that deter people from going into travel because no. travel is a just, it is the most amazing industry and I, I wouldn't live without the travel. But your next business, something to do with travel or try uh, a whole Travel or hospitality. Right, travel okay. or hospitality, yeah. Do you see yourself owning your own hotel one day? So this was something that we wanted to do for a very, very long time. I want you to do it. I think yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I bet a lot of people that know your story want you to do it. We have we have a little black book and yeah. it contains all the things where from all the hotels we've been to, which we add to. It's not it's not a physical black book, it's actually a Google Doc, but <laughs> nowadays. Call it a black book. Yeah. It's fine. I'm reading off a black book as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and um it has everything, but not just the things that we liked all the little things that really annoyed us whenever we go into a hotel from you know where the plug points are to you know showers not getting you um not having blue or red or anything that you can tell which way it is to get hot and cold um but all the tiny little touch points you know if you actually built the hotel that is in that book you would never be able to do it because mm. the detail is just is just crazy but um for many many years we thought that's where we're heading, you know, we'll, we'll create the world's and best create hotel. hotel. But as I've got older, I've realised just how hard doing a hotel is. And I so admire the hoteliers that, you know, get it right. Mm. Because you are touching a customer in a thousand different ways. And it is so tough to get it right yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so I'm not sure that now... I it's worth know. the stress. I, it's worth the stress. Yeah. But something maybe in hospitality or... Um, Could you do a partnership? Uh, maybe. Um, yeah, okay. I'm thinking of all this for you because I, <laughs> I want you to have one. Partnership, but, yes. Yeah. And, and you know, my husband There's some really cool unique boutiques, board. right? And like those uni boutiques that are really well funded and, mm. you know, I could sort of imagine there's like a partnership yes. there. So my husband, my husband sits on the board of an estate that had various properties, and I think he loves that and planning mm. what their next thing is yeah. without being involved in it. Okay, so this next part is all about you rather than the brand. Mm -hmm. So you can relax a bit more because there's no wrong answer. Um, and to make you super relaxed to begin with, I read you grew up in Ibiza. Yes. So do I assume that you grew up on a cocktail of MDMA and vodka? <laughs> 
or was it the other side of the island where it was more holistic and spiritual? Uh, very much more the holistic spiritual sure. side. Uh, so in fact, I'd um, I'd never been to the party side of the island. Even though it's a tiny island. Yeah, I've heard this from people that live there. That you almost don't know that it happens. It's not. It wasn't a part of our life. Mm. It was the area where the tourists came, and our life was completely separate. I even I didn't even go to the English school, <clears throat> so I went to the the convent, the Spanish convent on on the island. And I hardly spoke any English. Okay. And so I was very Got removed from no the Absolutely no Spanish accent whatsoever. It's just I, unusual. Elocution lessons. Really? When I, yeah, when it's I came back. fascinating. Okay. Yeah, I had to play a year of catch-up. Okay. When I came back, hated it. But I, I mean... Just wanted to be on the beach. That's really odd. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing. So, But presumably you speak Spanish absolutely fluently and you sound like a native there. Yes. Or, okay. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, how, how much of your life was that up until... 12. At the age of 12, we okay. came back to the UK. And um, was that incredibly disappointing for you? It's it another was, island. It was horrible. <laughs> it's just a slightly bigger <laughs> island. Yeah. But... We ended up in Leamington Spa. Okay. And it was horrible. It was really horrible. I hated it. For a year, I had to have extra... Um, I could only take the maths exam that year which was must have been 13 plus or whatever the exam yeah um uh yes i had to have extra english lessons i had to have extra lessons in everything because i was so behind yeah and couldn't speak the language basically but at that age you kind of pick it up easily and after a year i was kind of i was okay okay and had kind of settled into english life but there's something in me that that and I guess this is why I just, I always need to escape. So there's always something, tra- some travel planned. Mm. Um, I feel this need to just get away. Because London is the all best all place the to travel from because it it's so well connected. So that's yes. incredibly valuable. I actually read as well that you live near Heathrow, correct? Yes, yes. We moved we moved to West London to be near Heathrow because that's funny. we were on the plane. So yeah, much. I love that. That's uh, <laughs> unusual but good. Um, does make a lot of sense. Um, you seem like a very happy person. Have I just always caught you on a good day? <laughs> or... I know I'm a happy yeah? person, yes. Um, what actually gets you down? Do different things get you down now to those when you were starting up years ago or do you just not really get down? Um, I think that the, if, when you're talking about the business, the, the worries are different. So, you know, we I used to stay up worrying at night that, you know, when we were a startup that we couldn't pay um, our employees and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and now the worries are different. They're kind of bigger. And you, I mean, I can't look at the employee bill because it's just too much money. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got 120 staff, so that would just, I don't know. Yeah. You, you just don't look at it. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. Until it comes to budgeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, that is not advice for entrepreneurs. Don't never look at, <laughs> never look at your wage bill. <laughs> no, 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 no. You need to know when it's when you're a little company. But we have an accounts team sure. now. that look at it all the time, so I don't need to. Um, no, so now the the worries and the stresses are different. Um, what gets me down? No, I, I, I no, I'm I, I'm always a positive person. Good, okay. Um, and well, my family being unhappy, I mean that would be sure. But that's like normal life stuff. But yes. like on a day to day, generally very sunny side up. Yes. Okay. What motivates you? I love problem solving. Okay. I love. You know, I do love coming, apart from the travel, which I've already mentioned quite a lot. Sure. Um, I, I love my team and I love seeing them get stuff done. I, I'm, you know, 
like any developer, I love a tick list yeah. and a project, and I love Jira. Yeah. And... Okay. Good. <laughs> Do you love uh, Jira's Getting acquisition? Was it Jira that bought Trello? I think it was. Oh, was it? I yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I use Trello. We've so never used Trello. We got all our. De- it's a classic dev team yeah. thing. It's like some of them are on Basecamp, some of them are on Trello, some of them are on Jira, and Jira just buying Trello, and then then the argument starts like, wait, which one of us is right then? Like, which one are we going to end up using? Uh-huh. It's a particularly nerdy chat, which uh, I don't really engage with because I just use Trello. Well, at some point, you kind of you stop using the freebie options yeah. and you actually move to Jira. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, how would you describe yourself? Um, independent. Positive. Yeah. Uh, a mum. Runner. And travel addict. Okay, good. It's a weird question, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, Sarah was basically unable to answer it pretty much they really caught her by surprise um, but yeah I think it's one of the hardest questions you can actually ask someone but if we even harder than that is if we asked a really good friend of yours to describe you what do you think they'd say uh, independent yeah <laughs> um, no I don't know what do you want to know? Yes. Okay yeah. good let's, let's save you from the awkwardness of, uh, of, of the fear of what might be said um, so we asked your friend Kate, um, and she said, so I asked, how would you describe Tam as a person? Um, and she said that you're incredibly loving and loyal, steady, determined, disciplined, and a complete rock. She has the best giggle of anyone I know, and when she starts to laugh, she can end up in hysterics. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's gold. She's also annoyingly clever and really good at anything she tries her hand at. She can eat and drink for England and still be skinny. And she can run (laughs) marathons and do handstands in yoga as well as run a family and a successful business without breaking a sweat. I mean, if I didn't love her to bits, frowny face. (laughs) Does that sound fair? It does sound fair. She also told um, told me about a time um, when I was asking her, do you have any embarrassing stories about Tam or anything that's, you know, slightly unusual she won't bring up herself. Uh, she mentioned a time that they were going on your hen and you forgot your passport. Yeah. And that you were absolutely chilled about the whole thing and actually just they got everyone else, made it everyone else's problem uh, to try and make sure that part, passport came to you in time, which as she's commented, of course it did because it's you and nothing en- ends up going wrong. Because... <laughs> She, she believes you have this sort of kind of charmed existence where even when things go wrong, they still end up right. Um, yeah, you um, would think that, you know, travelling quite a bit, that I'd be quite a good traveller. Yeah. But, I, it, yeah, sometimes it's chaotic. She also told me about a time uh, when you were at Oxford together doing languages um, and you went to... No, yeah, you went to Chile and she went to Argentina and uh, she said, I called her from the place I was staying, which was a windowless studio room, to discuss going to see a total lunar eclipse in the Andes. She was staying in a mansion with a swimming pool with six gorgeous men as housemates. <laughs> I, ditched, I ditched Argentina immediately and went to share her room in Chile. We were a bit of a sensation. The guys thought we were lesbians and it was hilarious. We played along only because it made us laugh. She was also responsible for making me jump out of a plane in a tandem skydive 10,000 feet above San Diego. Santiago, sorry. Um, although San Diego would have been just as interesting a bit, a bit more unusual almost I know I um, so landed on my feet she was right to come over we yeah had, we had the most amazing house that sounds brilliant okay so what does a typical day look like for you what kind of shit do you get done in a day so I've got I wear two hats yeah 
I've got my founder of a business that and whatever goes along with that. So sometimes I'll have press meetings, sometimes I'll be doing a big partnership. So I did the big partnership that we have with British Airways. We have others that we're we're dealing with right now as well. New ones coming on board. Yeah. So I do a bit of that kind of new business just because it's important for you know um, yeah, a figurehead. A figurehead to yeah. be there the, at the start of a relationship. Um, yeah, so lots of press meetings, or it could be a, a board meeting. I'll sit in. Um, I quite like because my brain works that way. I quite like PPC. Yeah. Okay. And Interesting. so I tend to sit in on some of the. I'm just thinking about what happened yesterday. I sat in on the agency meeting for the PPC. That's incredibly nosy and uh, detailed yeah. for someone. And with should be having a helicopter view, but yeah. fair enough. Just says more about you. <laughs> I just I I, I I I set up and used to run the Smith PPC account. Sure. We didn't, you know, in the day when we didn't have anybody else to run it, and I, I found it very addictive because it's like gambling bidding yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, and because it's lots of numbers and adverts and spreadsheets and bid strategies and quality scores and kind of that, that kind of appeals to my brain yeah and so I really love it and so I can you know sometimes can't quite let go um, so I'd sit in a meeting like that um, but that's all kind of the founder role yeah um, and on the other side I have my tech team and we run, we have six backenders, a sysadmin, integrations manager, four front end product manager, three full time picture editors, a designer. Big team. It's a big team. Four front enders is quite a surprising amount as well. Sounds like quite a lot. Do you do like loads of iterations? We're constantly tweaking the site. Okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> we have the Mr. and Mrs. Smith site, but we also have the Smith and Family site. So it's uh, quite see, a yeah, lot of going on. Yeah, okay, I understand. And um, yeah, and then we have the app. So um, and so, my day to day will be, you know, help looking over the projects, making sure that we're the projects are all on track, working with my head of development, yeah. um, helping him with any team issues if there are any that need that need my help. Okay, this moves us on to the third and final part of the, of the uh, interview, which is lessons and failures. Now, of course, you've not had any failures, so don't worry about it. But 14 years in one company, and let's just say potentially not everything's gone smoothly, because it never does. Um, are you willing to share any honest war stories that still scar you? Um, so, yes. I mean, I think... Right now we have um, both online and offline. So we invested quite heavily a few years ago in an offline travel team, which are people on the phones to customers. Right, okay. They're split 50-50% on sales and inspiration, so you can ring up and they'll find a hotel for you anywhere in the world, To and 50% support, so we're there for you if, if things go wrong. And this going back to the travel club, you know, providing a service for customers is really important to us. And at the start of that journey we were quite reluctant to start building the in-house team because we hadn't run like a travel agency on on the phones before, you know, call center. We never called them a call center because it's, it's all open plan office, but um, we we didn't have any expertise in that area. And so we outsourced that. We outsourced it to a company who had been in the business for 30 years, had been doing, you know, offline travel, really, great NPS scores all that kind of stuff and we thought well at least our customers will be safe with them you know they'll treat them right 
and it was an absolute disaster. We were there for a year. It's been unbelievably disappointing when you make an active choice for someone with a great net promoter score, etc. And yeah. you could have done it better yourself after all. Exactly. And it was just, you know, it was a, it was a great learning because essentially what the, the, the mismatch had been, they just didn't understand our customers yep. and they didn't understand our hotels. Yep. So they were trying, they were getting a young 30-something customer who wanted to stay in the funky boutique hotel in Berlin and trying to sell them cruises. Right, right. You know, and it was just, there was a complete, that's a very extreme example. Yeah, sure. It was that kind of thing. It was just a really, not not a fit. And they didn't understand that young customer and what they want but as that, a couple. And did you have uh, experience in that or was the outcome, you lost a lot of customers, you got a lot of complaints? Was there really like a hard hitting? we did lose customers during that period because they were going, well, this is not what I expect sure. from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And then we started to bring it in house, and it's one of the best things that you know that we did. Okay. Um, uh, what simple mistakes have you made that you hope other people listening can avoid? Like super simple stuff. So globalization, I, you know, I, I touched on that with the with the travel center, but it was also you know as well as having the travel team, the call center out in Melbourne, we wanted to break into that market, and I think that we did that way too soon, and. Uh, um, we should have just firmed up the, our UK proposition. I think we wasted a lot of money in in Australia. Okay, and so, so globalisation consolidate before expanding. Yeah, it, it make sure that you've got a solid base before you go spending a lot of money in other countries, mm. um, and you know, and get properly funded to do that project. You know, we kind of self funded out. Sure, got Australia you. and makes yeah, it much riskier. Had, you know, we ended up pulling back, so it was it was a big mistake, mm. I guess. Do you? I mean, you must meet quite a lot of entrepreneurs, I guess. Like, what are yeah. what are the typical traits that you see um, that actually annoy you, or you think that people are doing wrong, and you kind of want to help steer them to do it better? Like, does that happen quite often? Um, no, because I I don't have enough knowledge of their industries to 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 know that they're doing it right or wrong. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't presume to know that. Um, I just I admire the entrepreneurs who just get up and do it and keep going and you know just have that you know courage of their own convictions and get stuff done. Yeah. Um, it's like self confidence and hustle. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what companies do you really admire? And this is an important question because Mr. and Mrs. Smith is top of most people's list. If they know the company in the first place, that skyrockets them to the top, you to the top of their list. So it's really interesting to know what kind of companies you admire. Are there companies inside the company that you talk about and admire from like a corporate mm. point of view? Or is it more like a personal, this is how you think yeah, about others? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the one that immediately springs to mind is Matches. Okay. I yeah. think they've done a, an amazing job. Yeah. Um, no, not only that, I think they're doing so well now at that content marketing piece. Um, so not only are they hugely profitable, very well funded, and that was a couple behind the brand as well. Yeah, in Wimbledon, um, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think they've done extremely well. And I, we, we're doing content pieces with them, and I know their content team, and it's, you know, that. The, the SEO, the power, the people that they managed to draw in, I think they've really cracked that mm. content marketing piece. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. 
who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Okay, so a very fascinating interview from an utterly charming lady who um, has basically managed to take her brand completely global through minimal amounts of funding and just to make sure that she can get to the office and anywhere she's required to go on time, just moved her family home to Heathrow, which uh, is... That's a very good life hack. I it, think uh, that's probably the ultimate life hack. If you, you travel a lot, basically move to one of those airport hotels. I feel like that's probably why a lot of us uh, boring geeks just move the office to uh, Old Street because, you know, it's sort of, you know, the technology, laptops everywhere, yeah. that's all we need, but... She actually has to fly on planes, and um, I really enjoyed the the bit about you know learning about her upbringing on planes as well. It's funny how that kind of impact of her childhood led to exactly the lifestyle she created for herself. So, who have we got next week? Um, pretty different guest, to be honest. Um, it's uh, not one of the uh, better name, you know, big brand entrepreneurs, but actually. Um, big personality big personality big personality so particularly if you've been living in in London and the technology scene and have any interest in growth hacking you will have seen the personal brand that is uh, formerly known as Vincent Dignan and now known as Vin Clancy a lot rebrand yeah exactly it's a lot like the artist formerly known as Prince yes um, (laughs) which I think I have actually called him Uh. once Um, and Vin is um, an utterly divisive character. He is hated by many and absolutely adored by many. And I think that's actually part of his appeal. Um, Whether you love him or hate him, he's definitely an interview worth listening to. If you're looking for actionable and practical tactics and steps to get dirty growth hacking marketing tips from a single podcast episode, this is the one for you. So tune in next week. And um, in the meantime, I hope you have a lovely week at home. And before we go, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, You can find us on YouTube and you can also find all the historic episodes on our website, which is secretleaders.com. If you've got any ideas or feedback or um, any comments, just email us at hello at secretleaders.com. So we'll see you next week. Thank you. Goodbye.